Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness to keep us, Lord God, in all of these fiery trials, Lord God, that you said you would never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that your will be done, O God, on earth, in and through us this day as it's being done and declared in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to work with you, to partner with you in this great effort to rescue and redeem mankind through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us, for securing our salvation uh, our deliverance, our healing, Father God, that these are gifts. These aren't something we can earn. These are gifts that you've given us. We receive these gifts with joy and with gratitude, Father. We thank you also for the power you've given us over all the power of the enemy, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. You said whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, Lord God. These are tremendous authorities that you've restored unto us, even the authority that you gave in the beginning originally to Adam and Eve, Lord, to to uh, take authority and dominion over everything. And so we thank you, Lord, that we take a power and authority according to your word, according to your promise over the enemy who's trying to afflict, assault, rip up, destroy this world, our people, our families. Lord, we bind and forbid him to continue his operation of destruction against us. And you said that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, deed done, action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. So, Father, we pray for divine covering the blood of Jesus over us, all that pertains to us, our families, our health, those who work for us, pray for us, love us, and come to us for help, Lord, that each one who seeks you this day will be encouraged by your word this day, by your spirit this day, Father God. We ask now that we would speak as the oracles of God, and you guide us with your wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just before we get into the program today, I'd like to talk a little bit about A Case for Justice. It's a book I wrote a couple of years ago, and it really takes apart a lot of the questions and issues surrounding if God is so good, then why? Why do all these bad things happen to people? And why does, you know, you know, it seem like nothing is fair, nothing is right? And what about sin? And, and how, does all these th- how do all these things factor into the things that happen to us? Because we don't believe there's accidents, so that things that are happening to us are actually not random, but they're actually deliberately somehow, somewhere from some source contrived against us. And so because we understand that this is a war, a spiritual battle down here, a uh, case for justice really takes apart and looks at with in detail uh, through the scripture what is happening about that main question people have about God. So a case for justice, check it out um, on our website, liferecovery.com. And it would do you well to go there and just kind of check it out, check out a few things. There's a a bookstore there with lots of tools, weapons, opportunities to learn, grow, and uh, be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, today is Rosh Hashanah, September 7th, and it's the beginning of the three-day feast, so we just want to in- invite you to rejoice with us in that and look for the return, the redemption, uh, our redemption draws nigh, as the Word of God says. Well, we have to keep in mind that those who are followers of Jesus Christ are a chosen people, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I, I was thinking, Marjorie, today here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Now, this is referring to Israel, the people of Israel. But we can make an application to us because as we choose 
as we choose the Lord, we are chosen. And we were chosen in Christ since before the foundation of the world. Here's what God says to the people in Deuteronomy 7, beginning with verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you or, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's talking about God being faithful. Yeah, and look at this in verses 9 and 10 kind of two sides of the faithfulness of God here. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who Mm -hmm. keeps covenant and mercy, keeps his word and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face." Yeah, this is the this is the two sides of the same truth coin, that and and it, because of there being two sides, it becomes complicated sometimes for people to understand. Well, is God good? Is He not good? Is He mad at me? You know, why am I going through this suffering? So today we're talking about the trying of our faith and the faithfulness of God, um, and and a lot of people don't understand what this is all about. You know, why are we being tested if God is so good? Um, why is he testing our love? Um, and how, how can God, you know, like your, the verse just said, how can God be most, both merciful and, um, an assailant to those who are evil? But we have to understand before we can answer that question, we have to put all of what we experience on this planet, uh, in this universe, in this world, in the context of war. There is a war going on between God and Satan that has not yet ended. It will end. There is an end coming. But we are still caught up in the conflict that began with Lucifer's falling from heaven and then uh, entering into the garden and beginning to um, deceive the Adam and Eve and pull them away from God. And when all through the scriptures is spiritual warfare. Right. Spiritual warfare, the greatness, the faithfulness of God the evil of our enemy, Satan, and mankind caught in between mm-hmm. following God and following Satan. That's the story that's all through the scriptures. And one of Satan's most clever, absolute, diabolical, clever uh, efforts against God or um, strategies against God is to turn us against God by getting us to believe that God is the one who is doing all this stuff. God is so powerful, so good, then why does he let all this bad stuff happen? And then he flips it, Satan flips it again and says, well, he's doing it because he's mad at you, because you broke the law. Well, you know, Satan starts the story in the middle. He doesn't go to the very beginning and say, well, you know, the truth is I started the, the, the instigation. I instigated the riot against you and God when I deceived you and I told you lies and you bought into it and now you're listening to me. And so you know the rule is whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his slave you become. Well, you're listening to me, therefore I get you and I get to pulverize you and beat you up and attack you and strip you and rip you 
And, and then I'm going to tell you that the reason all this bad stuff is happening is because God is mad at you because you broke his law. Well, the truth is Satan uses partial truth all the time to tell a complete lie. And the truth is we did break God's law, but why do we do that? Why do we disobey? Why do we wander away? Why do we doubt? Why do we operate out of fear or out of self or out of you know the opinions of others? It's because we are afraid and because we believed the lies that somehow God isn't good and he won't come through and I have to take care of myself. So, and and some, yeah, sometimes, you know, we think that, okay, I've become a believer now. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Everything's going to be easy. It's going to be peace and joy and love. And, and there is that. There is that. Peace, joy, love, In all, the midst that, of all the that kinds of stuff. <laughs> but, but there's something else going on here too. And, it, and Peter addresses this in 1 Peter 4.12. He said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Mm-hmm. As though some strange thing happened to you. thought, oh man, I give my life to the Lord. I'm following the Lord now. What's this? What's all this hassle? You see, it's not about karma. It's not about karma at all. Karma, if you, if you do good things, you're going to have good things coming back to you. Karma is a false... Half-truth. Of, it's, it's a half-truth. A, it's a false, it's a counterfeit of sowing and reaping. It's true that whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And what we, what we plant, we reap more of it. However, here's the deal, is that as a follower of Jesus, we're going to be tried. There's, there's going to be tests and difficulties and suffering. Um, verse 13 says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Right. So we, Christ had joy, he had peace, he had glory, but he went he also he, suffered. He also suffered. He endured. He, he, when, the, when his glory is revealed, that you may be glad with exceeding joy. So he was reproached. He was mm-hmm. insulted mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the name of... Uh, In truth, for the name of uh, truth. Yeah, for the name of truth because of who he, who he is. And when he says, if you reproached or are uh, insulted or reviled or criticized for the name of Christ, blessed are you mm-hmm. for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So one of the purposes of trials is, as Peter says, to participate with Christ in his trial and partake with him. And James also says it in, first, in chapter 1. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you fall into, that means you're being set up somehow, some way. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience, endurance, perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so the trial that Satan intends to use to break you is what God is actually using to make you. So, you know, both God and Satan are working in the same place at the same time to do the opposite thing. And so it depends on how you see it, how you perceive it. If we perceive that God's mad at me, I've done something wrong. And and then there are times when we are reaping off of a bad decision because we believed a lie, and then we go to God, we have to repent. That the reason we have to repent and confess is to unhook from the agreement we made with Satan that he is using to lay claim to us and, and, and press his case against us in the court of heaven. When you, you repent, you say, Lord, I, I believed a lie. I am sorry. That unhooks you from Satan's right to, to attack you, but you also have to believe it. You can't just um, look at the evidence and say, well, I'm still in the test. I repented and I'm still you know, hurting 
God is now then using that test as a way to perfect that which concerns us, refine us. But, so, yeah, there's two parts of this. You can get in, in big trouble and attacked because you're righteous, and then you can get attacked because you've opened yourself up to Satan. Right. And, and um, you've done something stupid. He says, um, don't let any of you, um, in First Peter 4.15, let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a as thief, an evil or an doer. evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. So, in other words, we can, we can be, our, our behavior can bring on trouble to, to us that's, you know, mm-hmm. that in a sense we've invited. Right, and, but be, yeah, behavior comes though from a belief. And right. so we got to go back to what we really believe and how we really understand this war. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we have to know that those, though Satan is uh, trying to paint a picture of God being fickle and, and hard to love and easily offended and I've got to just walk on eggshells around God all the time because he might be mad at me. That's Satan's picture of God. That's the concept he's trying to uh, get us to buy into. But the truth is that God is love. God is for us. God knew all this was going to happen ahead of time. God does not need to test us for his own uh, understanding to, uh, to figure out whether we're going to be loyal to him or not. God knows from the foundation of the world everything, every, right. every place, every situation we're going to be in and what we're going to do. And, and God is with us. He's, he, he, first of all, created us. And the purpose to which God created us was to be with him. He made us. He cast us in his image. He made us like him so that he could be a family. So God is very, you know, as you are a parent watching over your children with the same love and care, God has covenanted with us and keeps us. And he has even purposed to walk with us through these fiery trials. Even when Satan deceives us and turns us against God and makes us believe lies about God, that he is the one who is punishing us. There's an old phrase that um, adversity is God's university. See, part of the deal of why we, we suffer like this is because we're going, we're going against the current. Right. The current of this world is, you know, um, Satan, evil, pride, mm-hmm. lust, you know, all these things. And the, we're, 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 in a sense, we're the true counterculture people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that we stand for, yeah, for be- righteousness and truth. It's, it's not the, we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is, that is from God. Mm-hmm. So we're in this world, John 17, Jesus prayed, not that we would be taken out of the world, but they would be kept from the evil. He says, you know, we are not of the world, Jesus said, even as he, he said, even as I am not of the world. But we so, see, so, yeah. So there's, there's the hostility because... Mm-hmm. We're different. <laughs> yeah, we see the, the ebb and flow of evil and, and affliction and and all kinds of things that go on, just almost like an, a, a tide of the ocean. Um, and we really have to. The only way we can begin to make sense of this is to put the devil in the equation, because otherwise, God, if God is pulling the strings on both ends, and God is bipolar, God is crazy, God is sitting in opposition to His own self. If God loves right, righteousness, peace, and joy, and He is the one testing us and troubling us and tempting us, then He Himself is not good all the time. And if God is not good all the time, God is not good at all, because He can't play both sides of this thing and manipulate and, and try to, you know, uh, 
set us up to test us because God already knows. God is good. He knows what's going on. So we have to understand, first of all, before you can answer any other questions about why all these bad things are happening or why we're being tested or why we have all these trials, we're, it's, it's for twofold. It's to prove God is good. God is faithful to keep us and that the tr- testing of our faith also brings forth that which is right and good and edifying and persevering and enduring for the for the, for the sake of, of righteousness. So, um, so the, we have to start with the violator, the violations. And God didn't start this. This really is not that hard to figure out. If you just go back to Genesis, you will see everything is picture perfect in the garden, in paradise. There was no, uh, nobody was fighting, nobody was eating each other, nobody was, you know, there was no manipulation. There was peace, there was joy, there was contentment. It was just nice. And then Satan shows, Lucifer, Satan, the serpent, shows up on the scene and he begins to instigate and stir up and create doubt and bring another option, another alternative, another narrative, another narrative to Eve's mind. Oh, did God say, did he really say, well, well how come you don't know what's on that tree? You know, how come God doesn't let you know what's on that tree? I mean, you're not going to die. All, a second, a new, a different, a diabolical narrative. And that's what we have today. We have the two narratives, really. What God says through the word and what Satan says through your life experience and through the systems of, and philosophies of the world, because Satan is the God of this world. So the, the point is, what is going on here? What is, you know, God is, is proving his faithfulness to us, but we have to also grab hold of that through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us to know that God is faithful, God is good, we're not alone. There, this, there's a good outcome because God is on our side. Here's a question. Uh, what about, you know, okay, we're going through difficulties, we're going through opposition because we're standing for Christ. Um, things that we experience, uh, is there a way of telling? In other words, do we have, can we take authority over some of these things? How do we know like a, a, a trial from an attack of Satan? In the, in the, in the, sometimes we look for relief um, when we come against, we can say in the name of Jesus, you know, I command this to go and all that sort of thing. But then there's other things that um, we're not able to do that. Well, you know, we're just going through that. We're kind of toughing it out and punching it, punching through. Well, the thing is, you said, is it a trial or an attack? It is both. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, well, you have to figure out whether this, where this is coming from. Is it coming from God or Satan? And the truth is, it's actually coming from both because God is permitting Satan to test us. The story of Job is very telling. Job was a righteous man. Satan had to go to God to get permission from God to test him. And God and he said to God, let me test him. You, you protect him. You give him everything he wants. And so I, let me prove to you, God, that you're not faithful to keep him. And so this is the big test for God. Is, is God faithful? Is he able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day, as Paul said in Philippians 1.6? Is God able to pull me through this because of his love for me? Well, yes, he's absolutely able. And the question is, just becomes in every trial, every attack, what is the truth? What does God want me to know? And then stand on that and having done all to stand. And the, and the truth is, in many of these trials, are, you know, whether it's a health issue, there's the symptoms, there's the, the, the curses put on us by people who say, oh, you're never going to recover, blah, blah, blah. Family conflict. Yeah, whatever they are. And in, in the, the test is to go back 
to bind yourself by the Spirit of God to the faithfulness of God and say, whether I live or die, I belong to the Lord. And But the, the key here is for us, the one thing we really want to understand is uh, because Satan has to get us to uh, come along with him by believing a lie or agreeing with a lie that I, and part of it is he wants us to believe that God is punishing me because I am bad because I sinned. Well, if you did sin, if you picked, you know, bit the hook and you got a hold of something that was wrong and it's, and Satan is now using that to just drag you into the frying pan, it's time to just unhook by saying, God, I am sorry, God, I repent. That's key. Because once you've, you've made amends and you've, you've changed your mind, you know, and let go of your own self-reliance or bitterness or whatever it is and humble yourself and say, God, I need you. God has been there the whole time. He has not left you. But because of the, the rule of the war, there's one rule in the war. It's whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his slave you become. So if you haven't disconnected yourself from the lie and the behavior that's producing more trouble, then you're still servant to the lie. And the liar will come and claim that which belongs to him. And by the way, God permits Satan um, to test us because God knows he is going to keep us no matter what. He's faithful to keep us in, in all our ways. We acknowledge him and he directs our paths. So God knows, but, but God also knows he is being tested in the hearts of men because we're, we're tempted to say, well, where is God? Why is God letting this happen? I, I, I prayed and God didn't do anything. So all of these are pressure, pressury points Satan is making to get us to lose heart, uh, disconnect, uh, lose heart in God's faithfulness, and kind of isolate us, put us on our own, and there we are, one little sheep all by ourselves out in the wilderness. It gets to be a matter of trust. You know, will we, will we trust? We have to be con- totally convinced, let's put it that way, that God is good. God is good all the time. He's faithful um, to us in the midst of all these things that we don't understand, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the loss of a loved one, in the midst of uh, you know a, a financial catastrophe or a loss of a job or whatever it is, uh, a sickness, a disease, God is good no matter what. Whether it turns out the way we think it should, or we we want it to turn out or not, God is still good. Job said, "Though he kills me, even if God kills me, I'm mm-hmm. still going to trust him." Mm-hmm. And and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in in the book of uh, right. Daniel, mm-hmm. they um, they they said, "You know what? Uh, we're not going to bow. We love God. We we're, know God. We're, we're going to trust mm-hmm. God. We're not going to bow to the uh, edicts of man when they're conflicting with the truth, the word of the living God." Well, you said something a minute ago that we have to really trust God, just absolutely trust God in all this. But you know, that is a very difficult position to defend that I trust God, you know, because look at all, I trust God and look what happens. Look at this, look at that. Ah, you're trusting God isn't working. But the thing is, it's more than having to try to trust God or trusting God. We were built by God to trust God. So in innate, part of your innate spirit is to trust God. You don't have to learn how to do it. You don't have to chalk yourself into do it. You have, you are, it's there. It's just like 
it's part of who you are in the spirit. And so that's why God says in the word, walk in the spirit, use that set of information instead of picking up what the soul comes up with or whatever the mind and the will and the reason and the emotions kind of give you to work with. Go with what he says in his word and in the spirit. And that's why it's so important to stay in the word and to take the word as the word. It is the word of God. It will stand no matter what else falls or fails. God is faithful to keep us. And that's where in your fiery trial, let's go to Psalm 143 for a minute. There's some awesome verses it's, it's, it's really solidifying. Trials really solidify your faith and confidence in God's goodness that no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like in the, in the soul realm, in the realm of the flesh, no matter what kind of accusation Satan makes against you in your mind or through other people, that you know God knows your heart. God knows everything. God knows all about you. God knows where you're going to fall. He knows where you're going to uh, you know, give up. He knows where you're going to sit down along the way. He knows our way. He knows the path that we take. And so if we go to Psalm 143, let's just start reading there. Um, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your great, in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living, living is righteous. We already know that, but we also know that God knows that. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. Well, this man knows where this crushing is coming from. He has made me to dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. So his spirit is overwhelmed. Yes, like it's taken over by a tsunami. His heart is distressed. When you're distressed, when your spirit is broken, when you're feeling very sick, when there's no hope on the horizon, there's one thing you still have, and that's the goodness and the love and the, and the presence of God. He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. So when you look at God's creation, look at God's beauty, look at God's goodness, look at God's faithfulness, to keep us all in all these many generations, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like in a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. For in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk. For I lift my soul to you. He's keeping on. He said, no matter what, Lord, I'm still looking to you. I'm still trusting you. I know that you are the one who can save me from the pit. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. So this man knows he's got an enemy. And the enemy is, is really maybe operating as human flesh and blood, but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So the true enemy is the enemy of our soul, the, the hater of God. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the, in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring me my soul out of trouble. In your mercy cut off my enemies. Destroy all those who fl- afflict me, for I am your servant. So this man knew his position, that God was responsible. God is responsible. God is faithful. God is responsible. Those two words pretty much go together. God is faithful to complete what he's begun in us. He's responsible. He was the one who first put us here. He's the one who set all things in motion. God wants us as a family. And if you and I have made that agreement with God, yes, we want to be part of your family. We accept Jesus' death on the cross. Then you are eligible for all of what God has for you, including deliverance and healing uh, from the fiery trials. We aren't healed and saved by the good things we do. We're saved and healed by the gift and mercy of God. In Psalm 45, he, in verse 14, he says, The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up those who are bowed down. 
The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, gracious in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him. Now, if, if if he says all this and doesn't do it, then he is technically a liar. So if he says these things, God says them, God has got to complete and keep his word or he is a liar. And if he's a liar, he's no better than the liar. So God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And if God is not good all the time, then he's not good at all. And But Satan is trying to get us to believe he's not faithful. He won't deliver us. See the other people. They trusted God and they're dead. Da, da, da. They got worse. Da, da, da. You know, Satan just uses all kinds of arguments and reasoning to paint a picture um, that he wants to use to pull us all down into the pit of despair. But God is faithful. God is for us. He's committed to keeping us. Uh, And so when you are being tried, just remember this, God is also being tested. Satan is testing God in the hearts and minds of all mankind so that he's testing God to get us to judge God to make a judgment against God that he's not good, he's not there, he doesn't keep his word, he's no better than the enemy, I have to take care of myself. So that's really where Satan's trying to get us to go, that God is is, uh, not faithful. He's not going to help us. Um, But God is responsible. He says, says, and Paul says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, in Romans 7.20, he says, says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it, it's the enemy who dwells within me. So God knows that, too, that the enemy has come within. He sets up his strongholds within us, the fear, the anxieties, the addictions, the lies. But God also set up his Holy Spirit inside of us, in our spirit, to lead us into all truth and to, and to follow him. So your courage comes from following God, trusting God no matter what. And uh, we find encouragement in the scriptures, of course. Um, guidance, encouragement, understanding, truth, it's all right there. And we see all these experiences, and I think it's in 1 Corinthians, maybe 1 Corinthians 10, I don't remember exactly, but it talks about all these things that happened with the people of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. the the ones who served God, uh, and, and those that didn't. Um, they, they're presented to us as examples, okay? So, so, we, we see the faithfulness of God to to Abraham, to Moses, right. to David, to Daniel, to Jeremiah, to, to all of us, uh, all all the ones, the, those that were you know well known and not so well known. We see the faithfulness of God providing, keeping His word, even though it seems like His word is not fulfilled the way we think it would be. Um, he does fulfill his word. God is, yeah. He is good, and he fulfills his word even in the midst of great opposition from his enemy, and that opposition often sets up right in the middle of us. But God is not, remember, God is not treacherous. He's not devious. He doesn't work contrary to, to himself to set us up into situations that will push us into a place of denying him or crushing. That's the enemy um, who wants to crush, get us to uh, speak against God, um, and deny God that he's trying to push us with pressure, intimidation, force, coercion. Nobody loves the devil. The devil doesn't get all the worship and service he gets from people because they love him. 
They, he gets it from because he bribes them, forces them, coerces them, intimidates them, threatens them, persecutes them. That's how he gets his uh, service to him. But God draws us by his love. We love God, and God is, is committed to us. When you're going through a test, just think of it this way. God is also taking that test with you. And the test on his part is, will you determine that God is faithful to keep you in your test? And if you choose to believe that, you'll walk in truth and righteousness and deliverance and healing. You cannot lose by believing and trusting in God because God is good, no matter what Satan says about him. And God does not contradict himself. He's not contrary to himself. He doesn't play mind games. Um, he's not bipolar. He's, he's not uh, uh, trying to break us so that he can heal us or teach us a lesson. God gave us a free will, and that's the issue. We have a free will. We can choose whether we're going to believe God that he's good and faithful and that he's with us and for us and that he's been afflicted. He went first. He died on the cross first. Or we can believe what the devil says and vote against God, vote against ourselves. It's our decision, and that's the problem. God has allowed us to operate in our free will, and so he's um, not making us sick to teach us a lesson. God is the lesson. God is in us. So, Lord, we just praise you and thank you that we learn of you today. Your love, your goodness, your faithfulness, your undergirding in every fiery trial, whether it's a health issue, Father God, or whether it's a mental issue, whether it's a relationship issue, whether we're just hemmed in on every side in the natural, in, the, in our lives. No money, no job, no people, no food, no, no love, no, no vision or passion or purpose. There is always one more move we can make. Always one more move we can make. We're not cornered like in a chess game or a, or a uh, checkers. We are, there's one more move, and that is in the Spirit of God. We can come back to you. That we always have the freedom to cry out to you, Lord God, to lay it out before you, to surrender it to you, whatever it is, and receive your comfort, your peace, and your love and your goodness. Lord, I just thank you. I think of the old uh, home, uh, hymn, uh, great is thy faithfulness. And if, uh, Lord, I pray that maybe some people would just review if they have a, an old hymn book or they can Google it. The words to great is thy faithfulness would be greatly encouraging to you today. And then Psalm 89, verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to, to all generations. generations. Amen. And help us, Lord, to, as we experience your faith, faithfulness in the midst of all these trials, it's part of our story, it's part of our testimony that will bring, bring blessing and encouragement to others that are going through difficulties as well. So help us, Lord, to, Lord, to, to, take, to get mileage out of these and, and testifying of your faithfulness you be glorified, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.